This is the Walking Home from the ICU podcast. I'm Kelly Dayton, a nurse practitioner and ICU consultant. I help teams create awake and walking ICUs through evidence-based sedation and mobility practices. By hearing from survivors, clinicians, and researchers, we'll explore how to give ICU patients the best chance to walk out of the ICU and go home to survive and thrive. Welcome to the ICU Revolution. I never would have known that because from a nurse's perspective, sometimes you can see people kind of um, when they're delirious and they're not heavily sedated, they're thrashing, they're moving around. So you can see their discomfort, but when they are heavily sedated or have hypoactive delirium, they look like they're sleeping, they look comfortable. So um, I don't think any of the approach to you was out of um, any malicious intent it's just um it's right. that totally misunderstand the patient experience when they have no way of expressing what they're experiencing that's that's exactly right yeah that's that, that's, that's really a, hard that's a, that's a very important um uh, very important takeaway and it sounds like you had sepsis which sepsis alone can cause delirium um it sounds like you were sedated as well, which can cause delirium. So, you know, there's no real way to say what caused your experiences or your delirium. Um, but theoretically, if you could have been awake um, and unmedicated as far as sedation goes, what would it have meant to you to be aware of what was going on, to be able to speak for yourself and interact with your family that whole time? Oh, it, it would have changed. It would have changed everything. Um, you know, even, even as as, um, as foggy as it was when my wife said, you know, told me that I was in Syracuse. Um, you know, it settled in after a little while, and it really calmed me down um, to be able to, to know where I was. Um, but I, I think it would have changed. It would have changed everything because I. At least I would have known that, you know, I'm, I'm not talking. <laughs> no. um, if people could have explained where I was and what was happening to me. Um, I'm a scientist. I understand this stuff. I um, actually worked in the healthcare industry for a long time, so I do. You know, I, I'm. I like to. I like to know what's happening. I like to understand what's happening. Um, and you know, not not that a nurse could. Or, or a therapist, a respiratory therapist could, you know, figure out what, you know, what's this guy all about? What did he do for a living? Where, you know, I don't know, obviously they can't figure that out, but just just knowing that someone can can hear and, and will be calmed, most people I think would be calmed by knowing what's happening to them. And that's a really and good it, point. That's actually what I experience um and the approach that we take in the ICU that I'm at is that people really can use their reasoning when we don't take the reasoning away. And we get to know people, understand their education level, be able to teach them and explain things with the right approach to them, and they cope with it. Um, 
you know, you, you were very highly functional, intelligent, productive person and still are. Um, so what, <laughs> but what, um, but in that moment or, or in retrospect, what does it mean or does it affect you at all to know that you have, you spent these weeks with no control or autonomy over yourself or your situation? What does that do to you? Um, it, well, that's, that's a great question because I've gone quite a bit around with, with my therapist on that. Um, I've, I've always been a very independent person. Um, I, you know, kind of the person that says, you know, if, if I can't, you know, if no one's here, I don't need help. I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I, if I want it done right, I'll do it myself. I'm that kind of person. Um, for right or wrong, <laughs> but I survived for in the corporation for a long time with that <laughs> attitude. But um, it that was all taken away from me. I couldn't. Um, I, I was totally. Um, I, I guess one word is is vulnerable. Uh, another word is um, uh, dependent on on, on everybody else, and and I. I desperately wanted to just get up and walk. I, I just wanted to, you know, once I started coming out off the, the sedation a, a bit, I I tried to get out of bed every minute I could, and, and that caused all kinds of problems, as, as you probably have seen. Um, mm-hmm. I had every, they, they had every alarm they could hooked up to the bed because I would get out of bed. I would try anyway, and I was pulling tubes out and um, in the meantime, and um, I... I, I'm just not, I'm not the kind of person that, that, that lays down or sits down very often. I don't, um, I, I, I'm talking to you. I've, I've sat here for longer than I normally do. I, I'm a walker. I'm a pacer. Mm. And, um, um, it, it just took, it, it took all of that away from me. And I didn't, I didn't, again, I didn't understand. Why can't I get up and walk? Mm. Um, and you know, once, once I was okay enough to, to at least try to, to write notes, I, I had, um, you know, I don't know if you saw the, in, in my, in my um, uh, summary, when they put the, they put the pick line in my right arm above my elbow and um, they hit a, a media, I think it's called medial nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, it runs down to the, to the hand, especially the index of middle fingers and then the thumb to some degree. Um, I couldn't even hold a pencil. And everybody was saying, write down what you want us to know. And I couldn't even hold the pencil. <laughs> and it was just nothing. I, I couldn't do the basic thing. Someone, you know, to to get a, a, a little sponge of water, someone had to hold the sponge stick for me. I, um, it was just totally horrible for some, particularly for someone like me who, who's always done it my way. Right. Did I answer your question? I apologize. Yeah, no, that was no, that was perfect. It, this is so insightful. Um, I I can just picture the patient that you were because that's something that um, is really hard for nurses is that when someone is delirious and then weak, and then they're trying to get out of bed, but they are so unsafe to try to stand by themselves because they have not stood for weeks. It is it's really dangerous and it, it's exhausting. <laughs> 
to try to keep someone safe during that situation. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. But it's important to understand your perspective. You were starting to understand things, but innately you were uncomfortable. You want to just move on with life and you would have been more comfortable in a chair actually walking. Correct. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, um, I remember the first time I walked the, um, physical therapist came in and, and she was, uh, 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 pardon the expression. She was a doll. She was so mm-hmm. nice to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I can't, can't forget how nice, how, how well she treated me. And I kept, I thought I was saying it's all this time. I thought I was talking, um, that I could walk. I, I it's okay. I can walk. <laughs> and, um, she, she let me try mm-hmm. uh, along with two other, uh, male nurses. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I crumbled on the floor. Um, not my knees to everything. Just there was no way I could walk. Right. Um, so they worked with me for um, a couple of days, I think. And I finally, they finally got me up to walk and I had all the, you know, all the equipment and the ventilator and all that stuff with me. Um, and I walked around the, uh, the IC floor. <coughs> and um, I remember it like, like it was yesterday. And I know I, when I came back around back to, toward my room, all the nurses and doctors were, were standing outside my room and um, <clears throat> they, uh, they applauded. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> that meant everything to me. You know, here's all, here are all these people that were taking care of me at the time. I didn't really know, but they're, they're cheering for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really sick. <laughs> um because I know, it, it, you know I, I had gone back to the IC to thank the the IC doctor. He he was tremendous, um, and he told me that that they really didn't think that I was going to make it, mm. um, and they they were all so proud that. Uh, but just having them all cheer was was so important to me. So good. Um, but it took. Um, I I still couldn't walk on my own. And how long had it been since you had walked? Um, that, fir- that first time, um, three about three and a half weeks. So in three and a half mm-hmm. weeks, you had lost all that muscle and weren't able to. And were- did you have a tracheostomy at that point? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, I think, I, I think right, I can't remember the exact time, but they, they put the trach in. Um, I guess the I, I'm not a you know obviously not a doctor, but the, the the tube down my throat was isn't there a certain time limit that they normally don't leave that in for much longer because of infection? Um, if there's the a, every every unit seems to have a different protocol. Um, hmm. If we think that someone's gonna going to need the ventilator for an extended amount of time, then we um, do tracheostomies. And that was probably what they anticipated since your lungs were so sick. And then when we, um, when people are not mobile, they get so weak that they can't breathe on their own. They can't even hold their own head up. And so again, tracheostomies are a secured airway to help them recover during that time. When, as you're okay. rebuilding all those muscles. Okay. Yeah. That, um, so I, I can't, I can't say exactly when they put that in. Um, um, but you know it. They they took me um, 
they took me out of IC after I think three and a half weeks and moved me to uh, at least at St. Joseph's called the vent floor. I'm not sure why, but mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I carried most of the equipment with me. They had pulled um, a lot of it, but um, the uh, I think at that point um, they were trying to get me up at least once a day to try to walk. It was so, it was so horrible. I mean, it wasn't really painful. I, uh, um, I, I look, I look at my records, um, my, my drug records and I was, the fentanyl was, <laughs> was there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not sure, um, you know, really was there pain or just almost, almost anger that I couldn't walk, um, on my own, but I didn't walk on my own. Or at least without somebody standing with me for um, about seven weeks. Wow! I, I did go through physical therapy. I was I was uh, eight days in in uh, in house physical therapy at um, at Upstate Hospital here in Syracuse, um, and they did have me walking, but it was assisted walking. It wasn't certainly wasn't on my own. Mm-hmm. Um. And once you were able to walk on your own, what did that mean to you? <laughs> um, I, I can't. I can't describe it. I, um, it. I don't know. It's. It's still a lot of it is still. Um, it's still a fog. Um, the fog didn't clear for about three or four months, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the. Um, I, there were there were so many things happening to me. I don't even know. Um, I don't know how it felt. I I knew, um, you know, it was it was at home when I when I started to really move around on my own, um, and I don't even think I can answer that. I was so, to be honest with you, I was so tired mm-hmm. that I nothing else mattered but sleep. Um, you know, I, all I wanted was a good night's sleep or a good day's sleep. It didn't matter when it was, I think, um, and I'm sorry to to change the subject because I don't want to let this go. I, one of my, one of my observations, and I actually told, um, the doctors in, in, in IC at the St. Joe's and in, in rehab, you know, you guys really need to look into the, the, the noise level and the, the commotion and the, um, the constant barrage of testing. I can't, I haven't slept in six weeks, you know, right. um, I, I, I got to sleep and, and I don't know how, you know, from your perspective, how you would look at that because I know, you know, every two hours we can come in and check this, check that, give them this medicine, um, give them the shot in the stomach, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge I, battle that we're facing. I I don't know how you would fix that because you know, and and the nurses say we have to do this. I'm sorry, but we have to do this, and um, and I don't sleep on my back. I I'm terrified to sleep on my back. So to add insult to injury, all of that, you know, there I am, <laughs> um, without a choice. 
If you've been listening to this podcast, you're likely convinced that sedation and mobility practices in the ICU need to change. The ICU community is facing incredible difficulty with the trauma from the pandemic, staffing crisis, and burnout. We cannot afford to continue practices that result in poor patient outcomes, more time in the ICU, higher healthcare costs, and greater workload for the ICU team. Yet the prospect of changing decades of beliefs, practices, and culture across all disciplines of the ICU is a daunting task. How does this transformation start? It can begin with a consultation with me to discuss your team's current practices, barriers, and to formulate a plan to help your ICU become an awake and walking ICU. I help teams master the ABCDEF bundle through education, consulting, simulation training, and bedside support. Let's work together to move your team into the future of evidence-based ICU care. Click the link in the show notes of this episode to find out more. So you spent three plus weeks on your back, which is the worst position for you. Well, yeah, but actually um, three three weeks um, in IC and then another week and a half in in another room and then another week in rehab. And you were, rest- so, you were restrained during that time, correct? I, you know, uh, you mean physical restraints? Uh-huh. Had your hi- hands tied to the bed? I did not. No, they would not tie my hands to the bed. Okay, good. My my wife, no, my wife said, can't you just tie him down? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, no, we, we don't do that, and especially in IC, because once I started coming out of the um, the coma, I was I was pulling the tubes out. I was pulling, you know, the little um, oxygen sensor. They tried to put it on my toe to get me away from it. They had to put mitts on my hands. Oh, uh-huh. uh Let's make it even worse for the guy. Let's put mitts on his hands. <laughs> Um, and you know the, the rubber booties on my feet to, to try to keep my feet up straight up. Um, oh. it, it was just all of those things. And I'm just remembering this. Actually, the, the mitts were the worst because um, I was pulling everything I could. I was it was, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and we do it because we it's, we're in a tough situation. We have to keep people safe and keep those tubes in. But when someone oh, anyway, is confused, there's it's a tough battle. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I don't, um, I, I know exactly why you do it, and uh, um, it, it certainly had had an, an impact on me. And that's so important for us to hear. Um, so when did you get the tracheostomy removed? Um, the actual. Um, Trach. I was in I was in rehab, so I I still had the um, the hole there. Let's see. It's about um, about six weeks after after this all started, they took the trach out. Wow. To this day, I have a lot of pain in my uh, particularly my back, my lower back, my hips. Um, my knees, my ankles, my feet. Um, my fingers are still numb from the uh, from the pick line problem. Wow. Um, yeah, I can't. Um, I, I've, I've kind of learned to accept that that's going to be the permanent. That's the new, the new normal. 
Mm-hmm. At least physically. I can't, I can't, um, well, if there was some way, as, as you suggested early on, some way to, um, you know, maybe not sedate as much and, and to get people up and about um, sooner and, and more, um, I can't, I have to believe that would be super helpful to any long-term physical impacts. Um, that is what we're seeing. Um, but it's, yeah. it's a hard change to make and every, every situation is different. You know, you had a severe lung infection, um, lots of things were going on. Um, but kind of the question is, does everyone that has a, that is intubated need sedation? And we won't make that change until we understand what you go through as a patient under sedation, right. not just snug, snuggled in your bed, having sweet dreams. No, don't just jump back onto your feet and move on with life afterward. No, that and yeah, and I, I can I can understand that. I think um, I, again, another takeaway is we're not all asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we may we our eyes may be closed and we may look asleep, but I, I imagine you could interview a lot of people and say, no, I, I could hear what was going on around me. I knew exactly that there were people in my room that were doing something to me. I mean, what degree of understanding there was, I don't know. It's sounding like what I'm hearing from survivors is that their hallucinations were oftentimes worse than reality. Absolutely. But again, Absolutely. the medical professionals, we, we sedate with good intentions. We hope to spare them the difficult reality of being intubated and so sick. Um, but we do it fairly ignorantly not knowing that we cause a worse experience for patients. So what is your life like now after all of this? Well, you know, a lot happened to me at one time. Um, And not only the hospital thing, but um, the, you know, the, uh, the, the rehab, the physical therapy, and now the, the uh, psych therapy. Um, I lost my job. I had, you know, sports to retire. Um, and you really look at, um, that alone was, you know, that was my identity. So, um, I'm, I'm having to cope with a lot of different things, how to start coping with, um, with retirement, but, um, at the same time, not, um, not feeling really, really well all the time. Um, but having said all that. I feel a lot better than I did. Um, I know it took, I would say, three to four months um, after I see for me, for what I like to say is the fog started to clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I began to, to really be able to um, analyze what happened to me. And um, that that's helped a lot. Um, I still have the, the, the classic PTSDs. Um, um, anxiety issues. Um, I can't. Um, I, I can't deal with crowds of people. Um, I can't deal with noise. Um, I'm, quite frankly, I'm scared of people. <laughs> um, so I, I, kind of, um, I, I think part of it is um, I'm afraid I'm going to get sick again. I think a lot of it is that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I I don't my I don't feel like my mind is clear. How can I say this? Um, I don't think my judgment is. Well, I know my judgment is 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 off. I don't um. I mean, I don't read people very well, and I can't tell when you know when people are being nice or not. Uh, um, I, I just I can't understand. Um, well, this is a tough one. <laughs> I can't understand their their motives. I, I try to read into you know why are they being nice to me? Why are they not being? Why are they being ugly to me? Why why do they do that? You know why are people like that? Um, so it, it's just easier for me just to stay away and you know, and, and not engage. I never was like that. I, I was always fairly social. Hmm. Um, I'm afraid to drive. I'm kind of authorized by my doctor to, to drive about one between one and two miles away from home. Um, absolutely avoid all traffic. Um, avoid the interstate if possible. Um, is this and part of that of is because, cognitive deficits? Um, I think it's I think it's part. It's two things. It's the cognitive. It's also the hand-eye coordination. Hmm. Um, is, is really that was one of the the hardest things for me, and I still haven't haven't quite gotten back to n- normal. I think I read one post where the, the gentleman said it took him to, you know after twelve years he feels like his hand eye coordination is back to normal. Wow. Um, uh, it, it's just it's everything is everything is off just a little bit. So if I reach to pick up a cup, for example, I I'm off by about an inch. And I knock it over, or I go to put a cup down on the counter and I drop it from an inch too high, and I spill it. I drop everything. I, I can't hold on to anything. <laughs> it's just it's maddening. Um, wow. So yeah, a lot of those things, and I don't know what to, to attribute. You know, um, my primary care has said that, that sepsis is really a, a serious problem, mm-hmm. and that could. You know, it's poisoned your brain, basically. Yeah. Um, and so the, the the signals coming from my brain to my you know my eyes to my brain to my hands to my feet, um, it, they're they're off just a little bit. Um, so that's that's what scares me about driving is what if I in, in a situation where I need to hit the brake and I miss it, or uh-huh. I need to, you know I need to turn the wheel this much, but I turn it this much and I. I think you could get the point. Yeah. Um, that's been one of the most difficult, one of the most difficult issues. I, um, the dreams are kind of going away. The, you know, the, the, um, you know, I don't like to call them flashbacks, but the, the memories of, of the, um, delusions that that's that pretty much have that under control. I can think about them, you know, all the time if I have to, but it, it doesn't, bother me quite as much some of them do and those did bother you for a while what was that like um well i i would start i start shaking um and i stutter i i'm really proud of myself for this call because i hadn't stuttered yet (laughs) david Um, you've done amazing i i don't um i never stuttered in my life and when when i start to talk about some of this stuff particularly the delusions um, 
I, I start to shake and stutter. And um, um, I'm, I'm, I actually forgot your question. Was was the memory recall triggered by things, or would they just come yes. along? No, it's it's triggered by something, anything. You know, I could see something on TV. Um, I'm particularly sensitive to um, to seeing images of hospital, you know, people in in IC, for example, or emergency rooms. Um, uh, you know, sets me off sometimes. I, um, I I have gotten much better at dealing with it uh, through therapy. Um, but if I let myself, I can fall back into the into the fear. Wow. I. Uh, not not as often in the last couple of months, but I occasionally forget where I am. Hmm. I just I just blank out, and that's another issue with driving. I, I forget where where I'm going. I forget where I am. Um, I might get lost in a grocery store. Um, a new um, diagnosis is being developed called post ICU dementia. Um, trying to describe or or kind of collect all these cognitive deficits. Do you have other signs of cognitive deficits? So a hand coordination, memory loss? Absolutely, yeah, memory loss is, is huge. Um, I, I, I don't have, um, I've, I've lost my, um, my problem solving abilities. Hmm. I, don't, I haven't lost them completely and, and they're coming back a little bit, but um, I'm unable to uh, to connect thoughts in, into, and that, that's why I never would have been able to go back to work. I couldn't. I, I dealt with some pretty complex stuff, and um, and you, you as as you do every day, your mind has to click. It has to be spot on every time, and no mistakes. Um, I can't do that anymore. Um, I, I just can't connect thoughts. I can't, you know, think of complex issues and make sense of them. I can't multitask. Um, um, what does that mean for you in <laughs> life now? How has that impacted you? Well, I have to. I have to be careful. Um, I have to think a lot about what I'm doing. I have to, to, to really very closely pay attention. Um, just to day-to-day, day-to-day things like, um, you know, turning the stove off or, you know, if I'm trying to cook, because I, I am a cook also, and, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to cook and cut um, vegetables and, and wash, they do things all at the same time. I can't do it. I leave the stove on. I, I leave the water running all the time in the house, and that's, a, that's not a good thing. So I, I have to, for one, I have to think very carefully about what I'm working on, what I'm doing. Um, it used to be instinctual, but now it's not. Right. Um, and, and secondly, secondly, I just have to be simple. To, you know, just just pick one thing at a time and get it done. <laughs> right. And and that's it's it's okay because I'm not working. Um, uh, it, it's frustrating, but. Um, that's, that's the way it is. And, and my, I, my primary care doctor is, is awesome. She, um, um, has told me, you know, numerous times, you know, well, we could, we can find some medicine, you know, that, that'll help your brain slow down and, um, and, you know, be able to maybe, maybe to help you focus. And I, I don't want to take any more drugs. I don't want to do any, 
drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> except vitamin C. I take a lot of vitamin C. Um, but she basically said, you know, if you, if you want to be better at golf, what do you do? You practice. Mm-hmm. If you want to be better at, at anything, you practice. So um, she was really referring to hand-eye coordination to you know, after after time and practice, you'll you'll re you train your body, retrain your mind. Right. Um, Has that helped? I, I think so. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I am, and again, I am getting better. Um, it's just extremely slow. Um, I uh, um, I have a I think I have a positive outlook. My therapist has done done a good job with me. Um, I'm, I'm not so, I'm still questioning a little bit the EMDR, but um, something that we're doing is working. Well, you have been through so much, David, and I am so grateful for your willingness to come on and share this with us. Thank you for, for your vulnerability. Thanks for your positive outlook. What last words would you share with ICU providers? Um. Well, I, I think um, one one last thought on, on this whole uh, the emotional uh, emotional instability. I, I want to make sure that um, that people understand that this, this has a, a huge emotional impact also <clears throat> on on people. Um, I, I live almost every day, every minute of every day, with a um, like just this emotional weight on me and it, it had, you know it's a combination of all the things that we've talked about is, is really heavy on my um on my body on my mind um and it makes me and i've seen this in posts it makes me want to cry <laughs> am i feeling sorry for myself maybe am i is it just the way things are that you know that this emotional weight but it, it's almost like gosh you know I can cry on demand if you if you look at me wrong. So um, that that's kind of my, my closing thought anyway on these these long term symptoms or, or effects. Um, my my note to uh, providers, um, you know, we're not necessarily asleep when we're when our eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. Um, we can hear what's going on around us. I, I don't know at what point I could start hearing, but it, when I did, it was terrifying to, to hear things going on around me. Uh, my mind was trying to figure out, it was making up stories. What is what is this really? What are they doing? You know, where am I? Um, so just to, to understand that the people may not be, um, their mind is, and, and then their ears are still working. <laughs> um, Running a, to some a hamster wheel, right? Well, yeah, and, and I, you know, and I want to tell this real quick story. I, I, I do remember, and I don't know what, if I was I had to have been out of the coma at this point, but um, the I remember a bunch of alarms going off behind me. Obviously, everything was behind me, um, and I remember um, why why I can see this so clearly. I remember an Indian uh, technician, the gentleman. Came, came in, you know, um, uh, really fast. He came around the side of my bed, and he, the whole way he was going, it's okay, David, it's okay, it's okay. And he touched my arm, and he rubbed my arm. 
everything was okay when he did that. Hmm. When he rubbed my arm, everything was okay. So, um, I think, um, the, you know, kindness and, 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 and a gentle touch um, goes so far in, in helping people, you know, feel a little better. I, I think about that guy all the time. I wish I could meet him because he, he really, um, he did wonders for me. That, that one single touch on the arm. Wow. That's kind of my, my closing. <laughs> well, that is a powerful note to close on and such an important reminder. David, thank you so much. Your insight and perspective is invaluable. I so hope I, I, I didn't talk too much. No, you were, you were perfect. It was all so important. Thank you so much. Carry on your recovery. You. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you, much, David. Thank you very much. All right. Take bye-bye. care. If you want to join in on the conversation, leave a voicemail at 801-784-0472 or reach out to me on Twitter. Schedule a consultation for your ICU, as well as find supportive resources such as the free ebook, case studies, episode citations, and transcripts. Please check out the website, www.daytonicuconsulting.com.